Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Be Customer-Led. I'm your host, Bill Stakos. Folks, every once in a while, you get a guest on this show who like I've just followed and admire a ton. Today, we have Ray Gerber, who is the Chief Product Officer of Thunderhead. Medallia recently purchased Thunderhead, and Thunderhead is the leader in journey orchestration and real-time RTIM, real-time interaction management. So I really... like Ray, thank you so much for coming to the show. I'm so excited You're for welcome. this episode. I'm just jazzed about the technology and the capability and where it's going over the next couple of years. And we're going to get into that. Before we do, Ray, just you've got a really interesting background because you've been in the CX tech space for a while. Tell us about your journey into, into this space. Yeah, I, with my accent, and, and thanks for the kind introduction, Bill. I look forward to, to sharing those and having a good conversation with you and the yeah. audience. You can hear about the accent. I'm South African. It's been Americanized a little bit, and it has a little bit of a twist of, of British in there since I lived in London for seven years. But historically, I come from an interesting a manufacturing background. I was an engineer in South Africa, software engineer at the biggest dairy in the Southern Hemisphere called Clover Dairies. And I had to travel the world to find an ERP solution for the company. And in, in that process, we selected a company called System Software Associates out of Chicago, we subsequently bought this software, implemented it, and deployed it throughout the country and got so much attention of the good deployment in North America that I was asked to come and work for System Software Associates in Chicago. So in 1995, they moved me to the USA, which I was very fortunate. And I love the country and the opportunities I've had. And, and through that, I went from ERP, then into actually into CRM. And worked on kind of the side of the user of technologies, not vendors per se. And then in the late 2000s, we acquired a CRM technology called Cordian Software. And again, we successfully deployed that. And subsequently, they asked me to become their CTO. Uh, so I joined uh, Cordian. And as part of that, we really got into this concept of conversation management because Cordian had an amazing next-best action platform acquired by uh, acquisition of KIQ, which is really the leader at that time. And then we were acquired, Cordian was acquired by Pegasystems, and I was fortunately to work for them for a year as the, the VP of customer experience, uh, but primarily working with them to work with the, the, the Cordian customer base to feel comfortable with the acquisition but also instrumental working with the PEGA leadership team and the technology team of how to integrate the, the Cordian assets into PEGA systems. And, and, and I think that if ever there was an example of a leader that decided that the company they acquire needs to be embedded and thoroughly embedded in, in the inquiry, it was PEGA systems. And so they, they actually redeveloped all the next section software in PRVPC. And I think today it's for them a big, uh, a big revenue generator. 
in 2011, I was going to start my own business, made Plan Manchester, who subsequently asked me to come and build a customer engagement solution at Thunderhead. The first part of my journey was actually to help him take his current CCM solution, customer communication management, and translate that into a SaaS solution, which translated him in 2016, being able to sell that company to XLKKR mm-hmm. and subsequently use that funding to accelerate the development of the Thunderhead custom orchestration or journey orchestration platform. So I've been fortunate to work on both sides of the aisle. I love what I do. I love where Thunderhead has emerged. And in essence, how Thunderhead has, I believe, been set the standard for what journey orchestration vendors are measured to. So I look forward to sharing some of that with you today. So take us back to maybe 2016 a little bit and sort of the journey orchestration wasn't even a term people thought about or even discussed back six, seven, six plus years ago. Tell us a little bit about the history there. What was it about? What were you all seeing in the marketplace where this kind of technology was an aha for you all and saying, hey, we've got to go build this out because it solves a really big problem? I think it came with, we did a tremendous research with 250 CMOs. And, and that is today, you can get it on the Thunder website. It's a document you can download called Engagement 3.0. Um, it is really about taking customer experience as a foundation and saying, how do brands take that as a foundation, but move up into a broader sense of understanding of who your customers are and how they want to be engaged with, which leads to kind of what we call omni-channel engagement. As part of that process, obviously, my background as, as understanding next place action, fundamentally very fortunate to work with some of the, the, the thought leaders in this space at Pega slash Cordian beforehand and the innovators of this space. I said we needed to bring next action into the engagement space because that is provides you with the ability to continually deliver experience to the customer that's relevant, appropriate in the context of the channel capabilities that they're, they, that they're in. What I realized was that engagement was about experiences over time. Next's action itself was really about a moment in time. Mm-hmm. What is the right conversation to have with that individual at that time? So then the concept of customer journeys came in in terms of, but if engagement is over time, consumers and customers engage with the brand over time, and those over time experience interactions are captured in essence as a journey, as a representative journey. So the idea of journey orchestration came in terms of how do we add context to next place actions based on where the customer starts mm-hmm. and the eventual outcome that they want to achieve. And so journey orchestration became in as, as a key fundamental in terms of connecting experiences together in the context of the journey and then making personalization or individualization decisions based on the, where the customer is in that journey, but also where they are in multiple journeys. So if a customer is on a sales journey to, to, to upgrade something, but he suddenly has a service issue, how does this recommendation engine and next action engine understand the impact, negative impact of the service experience on the positive experience, supposedly of the, of the upsell or, or the renewal? And how do you then pause the, the upsell journey 
continue the service journey, then maybe start a nurturing journey to the point where you have enough insights about the customer that he can actually now progress on his upsell journey or his resubscription journey. So, so it's kind of really taking individual next best actions with, with themselves are very, 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 very good, but providing a layer on top that says, how do we connect all of these experiences and actions together to be able to holistically understand how customers prefer to behave over time in the context of a journey? So one, the thinking is absolutely spot on. How, I mean, so if you go back to 2016, like the technology has evolved significantly in the last couple of years, let alone mm-hmm. the last six years. How has for you, and even thinking about some of your prior roles, right? Just how has the technology evolved in the last couple of years? The one thing that I think about, Ray, is, and I just posted about this this morning, is in the last five years, technology has significantly changed that five years is going to turn into two years from mm-hmm. now. Like, so when you think about sort of Thunderhead in, in 2016, when you were ideating and you were starting to build this, how far have you, do you think that the company has come today, given the technology where it is now? I mean, I'd like to answer that in, in terms of what I believe the progression of, of where we are today or where we were a year ago and in, in, yeah. in what some of the, the technology improvements has been. I think the first thing is there is a drive to go from real time, mostly near real time, yeah. to instantaneous. I think when you look at some of the streaming technologies, some of the the SaaS platforms in terms of some of the the response times that they can have, but also at the same time, the consumer and the customer expectations in terms of I want it now, I don't want to wait two minutes. I think so. So that's that's the one thing in in, in correlating to to that going from real time to instantaneous is this concept of I would call it personalization to individualization, okay? Mm. So traditionally, marketing systems was very much focused on segmentation, okay? And and segmentation is focused on demographics and psychographics. There's Mm. very little elements of of behavior analysis that's part of that. And when you think of it's easy to categorize a group of people in segments when they are the same age and they live in the same area and the same level of education and they all own, 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 own homes. I think where you get into individualization is when you, where you have the fundamental ability to, in real time, understand the impact of each interaction on a customer journey and therefore being behavior and the understanding of friction and emotion as part of that behavior over time into the aspect of making that decision that's the second element. The third one is the progression of, of AI and ML. It's a mm-hmm. word that gets thrown around a lot, okay? <laughs> it, but it's really the ability to take mass amount of data and in real time process their data to understand how behavioral change is occurring and therefore how do I respond as a brand to that behavioral change. So I, I kind of take that, I did a presentation last week around the concept of autonomous orchestration, is how do I compare where our industry is going mm-hmm. to driverless vehicles and the technologies embedded in driverless vehicles and the ability and the need to react instantaneously to changing internal and external conditions of that driverless vehicle is, is I call that autonomous journey orchestration. It is how can a brand deliver journeys to customers but allow those to autonomously improve themselves 
but also understand where and when the need is for a human being to interject themselves in the process mm -hmm. because things are happening that is not supposed to be happening. So, so for me, I, I take all of that in, in, in terms of the concept of autonomous journey orchestration, which is interesting, is my question to some of the other journey orchestration vendors that really are campaign vendors, is how do you plan to transition from a pre-planned campaign to something that is autonomous, agile, and continuously learning and evolving? And I think there's a big gap between the two. So, Without a doubt. And I think that's where Thunderhead really differentiates itself in the marketplace and delivers significant value. When you think about, Ray, I mean, one of the... I've been lucky enough to have a couple conversations with mm -hmm. you now. And one of the things that really struck me, and you said it sort of at the top of the show, you went out to CMOs. It, there was an experiential layer in all this, obviously, mm -hmm. but you were going out to CMOs. Why do you think maybe, and when you go to the Thunderhead website, you've got plenty of research on there, like significant reduction in churn through the platform, significant solid increases in cross-sell, solid increase in sort of new customer acquisition, et cetera. Why do you think that orc journey orchestration or even autonomous journey orchestration, why isn't that more of a C-suite conversation? Like, why isn't the CEO, why haven't their ears perked up on this yet, maybe? I think a very good question, very interesting topic. And Thunderhead, as, as when we started developing Thunderhead 1, the focus was the chief customer officer. Okay. What we found is, unfortunately, Many companies had chief customer officer, but they weren't enabled to act on what they think the customers, the brand needs to be doing. So, so a lot of companies are doing lip service to customer centricity, you know, but when you look at the authority of an, a chief customer officer within the, in the, in a company, most of them are single individual. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So, so then we, we had a couple of conversations with CEOs in CEOs. Yes, they, they're, they're supposedly supposed to look at, at the investors, firstly, and, and then the customer base. But I think the slant is more on the investor side, which, which is fine. Mm -hmm. So then we look at it and saying, as we develop our junior orchestration platform, what is the biggest problem we solve for the consumer or the customer? Okay? And, we, and we realized it was that proactive, predefined campaigns that are enticing us and giving us bad experiences by delivering emails and irrelevant SMSs, continuously trying to push things down our throat. And so we realized that the, the solution that we were building was in essence solving that problem, is how can we help the CMO to maybe get more value out of their campaign systems, mm -hmm. but by us being embedded into that platform, we can still, even in the context of a journey, being able to say, okay, you know, step three, go to Thunderhead and saying, is this still the right thing to do? You know, and that's just interesting. When we had the OEM partnership with Salesforce, we were very, very successful in terms of bringing kind of the old exact target journeys and Thunderhead solutions together. But what happened was provide optimized experiences to customers because the journeys became contextually aware <laughs> of the behavior, the wants and needs of the customers. But obviously, we knew over time that people will see that these pre-planned campaigns continually are out of date. And the, the effort to continuously maintain it because of behavioral change and the change in, in understanding of customer needs and wants is just going to be such an administrative overhead 
mm-hmm. that they, get, they need to get rid of that. So I think that's why we, we ended up primarily focusing on the CMO. However, we always were interested in bringing the CMO and saying, let's bring customer service into play. Let's bring e-commerce into play. So because for us, an engagement is about marketing, sales, service, and commerce. And you need mm-hmm. to be able to holistically understand how the customer behaves in all those channels. And you need to be able to holistically understand how do I engage with that customer across all those silos to make sure that every experience has, still has value to the customer, but is also enough value to the brand to deepen the relationship they have with the customer. Maybe a topic for another show, but I'd love to pick your brain at some point around why you think the chief customer officer or chief experience officer isn't empowered like they should be. But I'm hearing that a lot more and more as whether that's the growth of the role, whatever it is. I think that like a lot of things that the role has become bastardized a little bit um, mm-hmm. and has become different things to a lot of different companies. When you think about sort of the those use cases that you, whether it's, and, and I want to get to your point in, in this question around the horizontal impact of, of a platform like Thunderhead mm-hmm. and bringing different sales, marketing, customer center operations, et cetera, together. What are some of the more fun use cases you've seen with this technology? I mean, there's probably some real obvious ones, of course, but like, in, have you had any maybe that surprised you when you were engaging some of your customers or like, man, we never thought about that, but that's a pretty cool idea. I'm just curious. Your Obviously, one of the biggest fundamentals of, of Thunderate is, is recording every interaction mm-hmm. of every customer every second across all channels over time. And w- we started off our version one of our journey analytics solution was fairly basic, if I can say. Okay? And we work with a very big telco provider in the UK. And, and what we realize is people behave differently. I mean, when we look at, we thought we we're going to see these beautiful flows of, of most common <laughs> paths or most journeys where people use five different channels and then they go from A to B and C and then where you can, we can understand. What we realized very quickly is, wow, people behave differently. And it's truly that every person as an individual behave in their own way, in their own context and based on their own needs. And, and, and so for us, the interesting thing was in our version two of the genetics is, is firstly, we added, try to add more context. Think mm-hmm. of Delta Airlines as saying, mm-hmm. I'm trying to analyze my most common routes and people are flying. But is it globally? Or do you say, what's my most common route from the East Coast to the West Coast? Mm-hmm. You know, or from North America to South America? And, and, and so we added what we call a query layer to that. We allow the business user to provide context to that. And then we started saying, okay, now let's build these AI algorithms. And the first one was called Most Common Path Analysis, which is very strict in terms of people had to go from A to B to C to D on the same channel. And then we realized that people behave differently. So we create what we call a relaxed version of that, where we allowed kind of like a, a nearest neighbor type of concept. Mm-hmm. So you can actually see similar behaviors, but not exact behaviors. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it became very, very interesting for brands to understand kind of the groups on cohort of people that are actually behaving in, in a similar manner and therefore most probably have the same needs and wants. So, so I think that, that was for me the thing. The next thing was, was to use, using that as a basis is to use machine learning as a diagnostic tool. 
instead of just a predictive a prescription tool is, mm -hmm. is how do I, now that I have, have all these behaviors, how do I translate behaviors into machine learning features? And let the system tell me which features or which attributes or which behaviors correlate to one behavior versus another behavior. And that was kind of two very interesting use cases that started teaching us so much about the customer base and the consumer base mm -hmm. of how they need to be treated. And, and, and that resulted in us. We started with something called static actions, where the, the, the business user have to create the 50 individualized conversations they want to have with a brand. And we realized suddenly, but the number of conversations is explosive. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of them. So we then internally transitioned the, the platform to be able to support what we call dynamic conversations or dynamic actions, where you can much quicker at a large scale add 10, 20, 30,000 conversations that can be had with customers. So there was an interesting transition in terms of which allows you as a brand to become really individualized and in saying, I have a conversation that's applicable to Bill. I have a conversation applicable to, to Raymond, but obviously Bill looks like a group of other people based yeah. on den demographics, psychographics, and behaviors, and, and Raymond looks like something. So therefore, I can assume those people are going to be behaving the same way. So, Ray, do you think that the technology is going to be... I, so I personally think this, and I could be totally wrong. I'm, just, yeah. I'm curious to hear your opinion. Do you think the technology is going to kill things like personas and segmentation analytics because if you can start to individualize the experience you don't necessarily need personas for design anymore right in theory I, uh, I, you need guideposts but you don't necessarily need personas yeah so so we have stayed away from the concept of persona okay fundamentally when we talk to marketeers they've lived and breathed personas for 20 sure. to 30 years so it's a very much like we saying that a consumer wants a personalized and individualist experience in the context of who they are. When we as a brand position products and solutions to business users, we also have to understand their background, what drives them and where they come from. Because mm -hmm. you, you can't pull the rug from a marketeer and saying, you've done this stuff for 15 years, I'm going to give you something new, it's going to make you more powerful. Suddenly his knowledge base that made him a very important employee is pulled away from you. So we've come up with something called audiences, which believe is kind of a middle path between a persona and a segment, mm -hmm. but it's more what we call dynamic audiences. So we have the ability to understand the, the, and, and use machine learning to, to create cohorts of, of consumers and customers that we put together as audiences. But the nice thing is that as that customer's behavior changes in the next five minutes, in the next 10 minutes, they'll be moved out of one audience into another audience, okay? And so it's kind of this, the concept of dynamically having groups. So it gives you the business users still the ability to say, what is my cohorts of customers that are behaving the same? How do they behave? What are they, are, are these, is there similarity in demographics and psychographics? But that's kind of where we come up in terms of trying to find that middle path. It's kind of the, the same thing with, with campaigns on the one side and next actions on the one side is what is that mapping experience you pro provide in the middle? And we work very hard at finding a way. Is there something called an experience map or a conversation map that is not a predefined set of statements on the left-hand side, but for that business user that wants to understand possibly what could the next five steps be for Bill, I need the ability to understand what that could be and how do I have conversations with him 
in the context of that pre-planned route. Got it. One of the things that I really wish for the technology, and I want to ask you where you think the tech is going in the next three years, is the ability to turn turn the tech on more outside in. And what I mean by that, Ray, from the perspective of, even though I, am, I might be in a journey with Delta, as an example, mm-hmm. I actually might also be going through two, three, or maybe even four concurrent journeys. So when you think about context and individualization, how do you think about, and I want to get, get to this point mm-hmm. for maybe the future of sort of the technology, but I'd love for, I'd love for a way for something, <laughs> no matter what that is, maybe it's your phone or something else mm-hmm. at some point, to be able to understand that I'm going through those three or four different or concurrent journeys and then how to bring them together to create value is sort of in, for my life. Right. So there might be like an overall, like an archetype mm-hmm. of a travel journey, Delta meet being one of those journeys, but then you've got Uber, then you've got shopping, then you've got whatever that is. And how do you bring all those together to create even a different mm-hmm. layer of value? Very interesting because I'm a, a investor, small investor in a small startup called Relify with some very smart people in it that intended to exactly solve that problem. Cool. Okay. I can talk about that that offhand. It's pretty interesting. I think the interesting thing there is the challenge. That concept competes with the Googles of the world. Sure. Okay. On sure. the one side, I think the second aspect is is the aspect where suddenly, if you're saying I want the consumer to be in control of their data as they interacted on third-party sites and on first-party sites. Is, is I think what we found the resistance of first party providers in terms of, but I don't want to share my data. If, if Raymond is looking for a car, okay, I don't want him to use the search work he did on my site to help him buy another car. And, and assuming that this middle layer will say, okay, Raymond has looked on, on Honda, he's looked on VW, he's looked on Mercedes Benz. Therefore, I have this centralized kind of decisioning system that says, well, therefore, I think based on Raymond's research on all these sites and all the data that he's had, I think Raymond should buy a Mercedes Benz SL320 AMG. Which, And so I think, yes, we would all love to go there. I think the technology can go there. I think there's just a lot of other hurdles that are more psychological that I think is is preventing it from being there, to be honest. So what when you think about sort of then if we just take it back then just journey orchestration and analytics for some and, and RTM for that matter, where do you see the technology over the next like evolving over the next three years? I think for me, and I've written a white paper about it, I talked about it last week and in the concept of autonomous journey orchestration. And, and and I think it's a progression of technology and availability of what I call IoT devices. Okay. I think brands spend a tremendous amount of time in investment, CMOs, everybody, in terms of what is that perfect set of customer experiences during the buying cycle that has allowed my customer to purchase a product in a frictionless manner, et cetera, et cetera. I think one of the problems that we have is our inability to be able to understand if the product the per- customer purchased is actually fulfilling his wants and needs that he stated or was discovered as he was in the buying cycle. And, and I think that obviously feedback programs like Medallia has is very important to get that information. 
I would just like a more automated way where mm. you can have more technologies embedded in products that can understand is the use, like a cell phone is a perfect thing. I mean, yeah. you when you have a, a Verizon contract, they know how many times you talk on the phone, how many text sure. messages you send, so without knowing the content. So they know Raymond is using this phone. He's got a, a plan that is overwhelmingly based on voice, but it only his, his use of voice is 5% of his overall use. So therefore, maybe when we renew, we should recommend a different contract. So, so how can we take that analogy of, of, of that? And then when you bring in the concept of if therefore a consumer has multiple products with multiple IoT devices, how can those IoT devices communicate with each other to provide a better experience for a customer? Let's take a simple example, most probably, but, but I have a refrigerator that's an IoT device. Mm. I purchased my tomatoes in a bag from Publix that has a tag on it on when the, when the tomatoes expire. Wouldn't it be nice that if my tomato bag can talk to my refrigerator to alert Raymond that your, your tomatoes will expire in two days and then automatically put an order into Kroger or to Publix to reorder tomatoes in three minutes. I think that's kind of where I see, I mean, mm -hmm. we're still a long way from that, yeah. but that's where I see kind of the, how does a tomato provider ever know if people are getting value from their tomatoes because they don't know how many tomatoes are being thrown away or not. Yeah. But, but how can that IoT device communicate back and saying 80% of your tomatoes that are being sold are being thrown away, just as an example. So Yeah. So that to me is a great example of individualization, also context, but also sort of the, using a sort of a technology layer as well to kind of drive yeah. it too. I love that because it, it kind of helps us think a little bit about how journey orchestration is going to change our lives and the way we interact with brands every day. And that's just something mm -hmm. I, I put a lot personally of just time and thought into. It's just a topic that I'm always curious about. Ray, I, I'm mindful of the time. I know you're packing for a trip as well. I want to be mm -hmm. respectful of that. What leaders do you look up to, whether in this space specifically or, or just even just business leaders generally? Or do you have like folks that you look to for that? I you sent this question and I was thinking hard about it. And I think I have look up to anybody that has the willingness to create a company, okay? Mm. To come up with an idea that they believe in and fundamentally stand behind it. And going through having left your job and taking all your cash and putting into an idea not knowing at all if it will be successful. Yeah. And, and, and that's the people that, and, and I think that's what made America so great, is, is all these small companies that have started from somewhere. Every big company at some point was a small company. Every big company was a small company that competed with a big company around ideas and innovation. And I think when I look, I, I'd rather look at companies that have changed the lives of people. When we look at, at, the, at, at how Netflix has changed our life <laughs> compared to Blockbuster, you know, and knowing that Netflix tried to get them sold to Blockbuster for $18 million, and they were like, no, we don't, we don't need you, you know? So, so that's kind of where I, I and, and for me, it's just, in, in the context of my own experience, is, is especially within Thunred, is the utmost belief that Glenn had in what we do and his willingness to put everything he's ever worked for behind the idea and not just 
creating a new idea, creating a disruptive idea that we can see change the life of consumers. For sure. Where do you go for inspiration, Ray? I am a terrible reader. My wife always laughs at me because she loves reading. I read the first three pages of a book, then I skip and I read the last three pages, and then I feel like I fill in the rest myself. So, <laughs> so, so, so I don't know. It's a, it's a fault of mine, but my, I think my inspiration is I do a tremendous amount of research work. I mean, I read about 1,500 pages from different, from Forbes, from Harvard, every month around trains in the technology industry, you know. Mm. And, and I think that's what helped me build innovative solutions because I've been on both sides of the aisle, okay? So I know how consumers or business users experience software that they get mm -hmm. that does not function as expected and was oversold. Mm -hmm. I know how difficult it is, especially in the SaaS space, to not only develop software, but to manage the software on behalf of those customers but also because I read so much from that perspective. And when I say I read a five-page blog post, maybe I read seven paragraphs that are key for me. Is That is kind of what inspires me and, and what helps me think about, oh, this is a nice new idea. How can I translate that? And, and I think if there's something very specific that really has triggered a lot of my thought mm -hmm. is the use of the product called Waze, the GPS application. Sure, yeah. Because because that's so much in our space in terms of how, how does Waze work? It's a lot of drivers being attached, driving slow. Therefore, we can assume that there's something going on. When a, a gas station has a special, it will recommend how you reroute to fill up gas because you're on, on one third of your gas tank. You know, so, so I think that to me is like when you look at Netflix, when you look at Waze, those are the things I think that I get inspiration from and in saying, how can I make sure that the technology we build at Thunridge slash Medallia now continues to, first and foremost, at the end, create, improve in customer experiences. And then subsequently, the, the business user is our customer too. Mm. How can we make sure that those business users also have great customer experiences? Well, that's great advice to end on for any leader or future leader out there who's listening to this podcast. Ray, thank you so much for your time. I, You're welcome. Every time I speak to you, I walk away with just new and amazing learning. And I'm grateful and I appreciate you for that. And that anybody who's never heard of Ray, please look this guy up, read his stuff, check out Thunderhead, certainly. And just really impressive what you and the team have built. I'm excited for the opportunity to partner with you on a more regular basis. And yeah, I'm excited for this space and what it's going to be able to do for consumers. And um, Thank you, Bill. And, and thanks for the platform. And I, and I hope so, too. I, I, I see genuine orchestration as a foundation over time to truly transform businesses and the way they engage with their customers. I totally agree. All right, everybody. Another great episode for you all. We'll see you next week. We're out. Talk to you soon, Thanks everyone. for listening to Be Customer-Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.